Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, Ep 350. It's ha- a pretty exciting episode. Ha- halfway to 700. <clears throat> nice. Come on now. Uh, Rogue One, finally. Finally, Get to Rogue talk One. about it. And Collateral Beauty. Yes. Wow. Well, I was so excited to see this movie, and then when I saw both you, yours and our guests' faces, I realized that it may not be as good as the trailer let it out to be. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a generous thing. Um, yeah, so we got a couple of good trailers to talk about um, that I've seen. I'm excited for these trailers. Some interesting DVDs, yep. Sully, and uh, and a lot of movies premiering this week because it is Christmas week. So a lot of stuff is uh, Christmas releasing. week. A lot of limited Oscar yeah. stuff that'll go wide in January. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's a lot of those kind of qualifying runs going on that are unannounced in LA and New York. A lot of business. Uh, I want to welcome any new listeners because I just did uh, Bert Kreischer's podcast and uh, which was awesome, and we talked about podcasting and comedy and earbuds and. So I know there's a lot of new people coming over to this. Yeah, I saw it in the emails, too. Like, I just bought the movie. Now I have a new podcast to listen it's to. Welcome. <laughs> so for those of you new to it, here's what the show is. We we talk about movies that just came out. That's why we usually record and release. This is a catch and release show on Tuesdays. <laughs> um, and uh, we like to talk about movies that just came out. And uh, we'll introduce our guest. And we'll get into what he liked and didn't like. And... Uh, this is what it is, you know. We like to keep it around an hourish. Um, we like to bang, bang it out, get through it. And there'll be periodic surprises. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what are those? I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're just giving false. It's hope. a marketing term. Oh, all right. Yeah. And, yeah. Fun will be had by all. Yes. Yes. Um, you won't believe your ears. So this is the Comedy Film Nerds <laughs> podcast. My, I am Graham Elwood, and I'm Chris Mancini, and uh, we should introduce our guest. Introduce our guest. Uh, hasn't been on the show in quite a while. Yes. Not a first time guest. Not a first time guest, Mm-mm. but been on in a while. Um, and we'll get into we'll get into some uh, disputed issues on another film podcast that I've <laughs> <laughs> been on. Um, and I feel like, too, this guest, we're on other podcasts with him more than he's on ours. <laughs> that's true. That's absolutely Maybe correct. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's correct. Uh, he is also... I did Doug Loves Movies with him. So. Yep, so have I. Um, and uh, we watched uh, the Cubs win the World Series together. Damn right. Oh, yes. And he's got a Cubs uh, World Series hat on. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Levine. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Please hold your applause. I really enjoyed that video uh, of you guys watching the game. And at, screaming. Yeah, and losing at, our minds. Yeah. Like Kevin's a couple house. of 10-year-old boys. Yep. Oh, my God. It was great. Yep. Yeah. It was uh, such a great environment because... You know, it was, it was safe. Like, it was safe. It was safe. <laughs> it was safe. It was, I was. I was definitely safe. I was having. We had several like texts and phone conversations because it was like, I thought about, you know, some friends of mine said they might come over. I said, all right, well, maybe we'll watch it at my place. And then people couldn't. Then I was like, do I go to a bar? You called me. You're like, where are you watching? Yeah. Like, I don't know. You could come over, and you were like, we could go to Pollux. He's got a big TV. Yeah. And I'm glad we did mm-hmm. because it was. It was awesome. While Kevin is not a huge Cubs fan, he's a baseball fan. Oh, yeah. And, and he was definitely pulling for the Cubs that year. Was great. Oh, yeah. He's I pulling mean, for the Cubs. Yep. And his, his like, family room, his TV is, like, kind of connected to his kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, like, hardwood floors and low ceilings. So it was so loud, so loud. when we would scream. Oh, my God. And go nuts. Yeah. And that game... 
You know, when the uh, when the Indians tied it up in the eighth inning, six six, the two run homer, I, I believe. I, I I believe it was it was yeah, I think it was the eighth inning. We were like, it was insane because the Cubs jumped down to an early lead, so we're yelling and we're high fiving, oh, so good, so great. We're ordering food. This is awesome. Yep. And then they tied it up, and it was like dead quiet. Dead quiet. The rain delay was like. We all went out. Kevin was like, all right, let's go outside. Let's air it out. Yep. <laughs> I even said, like, when we were pacing around after the after they tied it up, I was like, all right. Because there was a chance the Indians were going to walk off in the ninth. Right. And so I had said, like, all right, if this goes south and we need to quickly exit this room, it is – I strongly recommend we all take different areas. <laughs> I was like, I call the back. Graham, you should walk out front. Mm-hmm. Kevin, it's your house. Go anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. I was like, but like, because if that happens, we all just have to separate and and figure out how we're going to deal. It was and how you going to live the rest of your life. I would not have that. known. <laughs> Chris, if I, I would have known. gone through that, and then Trump becoming president. I don't. I would have like left. Mm. Oh country. man, can you imagine if you're like a liberal from Cleveland? I guess that's what they're going through. Yeah. Right. Although they didn't wait 108 years, so no. Sorry, no. not the same. <laughs> not the same. And they haven't had these gut-wrenching heartbreaks. No, going again, again and again and again and again. But Ugh. it was uh, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. And then, um, so we've done Doug Love's movies together. Very yes, well. many times. Exactly, many times mm, as we have. <laughs> so, should we talk about that briefly? About DLM? Yeah. Sure. I became annoyed to play with you. I couldn't play do that show anymore. I got annoyed. That's oh, is that what happened? That's what happened. You son of a bitch. I I it, it wasn't fun anymore. <gasps> yeah. Are you are you saying me personally? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. You're was, the first person to say that. Now you understand that when I do that show, I well, put you it, really sugarcoated it too. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like let's. I'm not like trying to sandbag. You, no, like, come yeah, on that, the show. you did sandbag me, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm no, I'm a sand. I'm sandbaggable. But all right, well, uh, but let, wait, let's well, get into on. the reasons. But I was just about to say, you understand? I'm deliberately putting it at eleven. No, I know, I know. Here's the thing, and here's the thing. I understand that that show is a performance. Yeah. Like, so when people get mad at me or oh, Graham, you're too loud or you're ruining it or whatever, I'm always like, it's a comedy show. Mm-hmm. So, so. First couple times you were on that show together, I actually had a, I always had a blast. I've always had a blast I, with you. But when you got too, it got it 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 got became too adversarial, and I got annoyed and was like, "Well, this show should be t- it's two things. It should be fun. and mm-hmm. You should be able to promote." When you say adversarial, would be like too competitive. Kinda. Well, I'm a very competitive guy, and so is Sam. So sure, I'll huh? own that. I'll sure, own that. Right. But then you like accuse me of cheating on one show. You accuse me of looking at Doug's phone. We did a show at Flappers. And oh, then I right. saw you after that, and you're like, yeah, I'm sorry, I become a monster on that show. And yeah, like, no, I, I deliberately become a monster on the show. I get that, but it just became not fun. Well, I'm so sorry about that. And uh, suck a bag of dicks. <laughs> I just won the 12 Guests of Christmas. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert? Ooh, Jesus, I don't know. Uh, this is going to drop today, so maybe bleep that out. Um, uh, do both of you feel better now? Yeah. I just want, I, because <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Maybe, oh, I thought you knew. No, how would I have known? This is why you booked Sam. No, this is why I wanted to ask. 
I just realized coming over here, I was like, well, probably a lot of people are going to be like, because there's all this Team Sam, Team Graham stuff, which most of that is just Which, that's Doug started that. Doug started that, which was just <laughs> like, I know, that's Doug's whole thing is, is creating fights. And I was like, well, probably some people are going to be like, because some people have emailed and like, oh, that's why Sam hasn't been on the show in forever. And I'm like, well, that's not really why. But I did feel that. Oh. And I wanted to say it. Because well, we had a phone call yesterday, a couple days ago, and I asked you to, about this. I was like, yeah, come on the show. And you're like, oh, man, we missed you 12 guests at Christmas. And I got off the phone, and I went, ah, I should have maybe said something. No, it's definitely important that you waited until we were recording a podcast together. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. But this, podcasts are where you're supposed to be honest, or where you're supposed well, to open yeah, up. Yeah, uh, sure, Mark Maron, let's I, do it. I didn't realize there was a uh, Sam Graham beef. I, I didn't realize. I knew there was for comedy purposes. I did not realize it had eked into reality. It had a little bit. And some of it, I must say, is maybe just had to do with some of like times I haven't gotten along with Doug, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I felt like, yeah, I, I, maybe we should, you know, and if you didn't know, then maybe I. No, I had no idea. Maybe I should have said something before we recorded. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I'd love, I'd love to be back on Doug's show with you, Graham. And one thing I can promise is that I will only be more of a monster now. Well, that's fine. Well, that's like if that if we're, we're going to go in that way, then great. Then, then like I'll whistle. And, yes, and it'll yes. be fantastic. Yes, and this episode will be referenced. Well, right. Yeah. But <laughs> remember when we had it out politely at the Comedy Film Nurse no, podcast? No, this isn't have it out. And I didn't mean to. I didn't. No, no, it's fine. And you should know, by the way, um, there have been a number of times when, if I'm the person sitting closest to Doug, because you know Doug tends to what is the thing? That's right, get high. And uh, and you know sometimes I'll have a drink or two while he's doing the podcast. And if the games don't come till the end, sometimes if he's got a piece of paper with answers or a phone, he's not as aware that maybe he's flashing it to people in his right. vicinity. So it's not that I'm accusing you of cheating. And I've said it to other people. I will say things like, hey, eyes on the game, buddy, to other players right. who I think are like, what, what's he looking at over there? <laughs> I know Doug has all the answers on the back of that piece of paper. That's why I sit the furthest away from him, so no one can ever accuse me of that. The reason I always sit the furthest away is I'm usually on the show with... Sometimes there's usually someone who has never been on the show. Right. Or they're, they don't understand it, or they're just a more mellow comedian or whatever, or they're like an actor or something, and I'm like, well, I'm going to get way left because I'm eventually going to get out of my seat mm-hmm. and do something <laughs> big and loud and stupid. So, so I don't want to... I don't and, and a lot of times then Doug and I get into riffs. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's sort of just like a staging thing of like, I don't want to just be he and I, and right. then these people are out on the edge right. with no focus or whatever. Sure. So I put them in the middle. See, we're so, both showmen. So, so we're showmen. So what if, uh, if Sam Levine was sitting next to Doug, what would Sam Levine say if he was on the aisle? If I were sitting next to Doug and also on the aisle? Yes. I would say, hey, eyes on the game. Yeah, so it doesn't matter who it is on the other side. You no. just you think that you know the game needs to be played a certain way. Yes. And it doesn't matter where anybody sits. You're going to pick on whoever's closest to That's Doug. That's 100% correct. Got it. It okay. was not a, something against you. I've said that to plenty of people. Well, my question would be first, I would ask more questions about how cloning became possible. <laughs> That'd be my first series yep. of questions. 
And then, That's a good point. <laughs> yes. In this scenario, do I have sex with myself? Yeah. After the show? Do you want to? Is that? And then, follow-up question, is that considered gay yeah. or just masturbation? Hmm. We're getting into a lot of heady philosophical <laughs> questions here. Well, see, well, now I feel sandbagged. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think this is good. I think we need to, uh, if you guys have nothing else to wrap up with, we'll go into Rogue One. You guys, any closing uh, statements? <laughs> Let me think. Uh, I slept with your wife, but that's... uh, No, we're good. That's why we got divorced. (laughs) I did, ladies and gentlemen, I did not sleep with Graham's wife. I don't even think I met your wife. No. So, there you go. And if you did, uh, Doug would have made a shirt and sold it that neither one of us got money for. Um, Maybe that's where some of this frustration is. There was Team Sam and Team Graham shirts being sold. And I was like, so my name's on a shirt. I'm not getting a taste. Got it. Yeah. Well. Good stuff. Wow. I, was, I was just happy to be mentioned. So, that's kind of cool. Your tiff was monetized. <laughs> a tiff was monetized. Yeah. And you killed it. And you killed it. You know, now it's Team team Sam, Team Ham is yeah. what they've been pushing. Well, good. Johnny I, I, Ham. Yeah. I'd rather... I'd rather kill a, a tiff that I'm not getting paid for. Like, if we're going to make money off a tiff, I need a taste. Yeah. Um, You're talking about the Toronto International Film Festival, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. great. That's it's what you mean great. by tiff? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's a great festival. They right. get really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have now a thing with John Ham. I mean, that, that you know, Team Ham, Team Sam has been a pushed hashtag that I had nothing to do with. Uh-huh. Uh, are there shirts? I don't know if there are shirts. Okay. I mean, John and I played in a couple of the... Uh, uh, you know, tournament of championships. Um, and, uh, I don't know. And he was in the, Oh man, I keep, I'm not going to talk about more spoilery stuff. I feel terrible. I, th- I feel like I might really want you guys to bleep out what I said about winning the, uh, thing. And then that again. Oh, cause I don't think it's dropped on iTunes yet. And you know what? People have to pay for it. And Oh, wow. If well, this I, is going to drop today. I editing. So oh. I just have to roll the dice. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Never mind. So, uh, so Tiff's still on. Got it. Okay. I don't care. I wasn't in this show. All right. Well, then let me say this. Uh, any fans of this show who are also fans of Doug Loves Movies, let me appeal to your uh, sense of honor, and please do not spoil it for others online if you've heard this. Oh, How about that's that? that's fair. That's good. All right. That's good. Um, all right. Let's Rogue talk, One. Let's talk about Rogue let's One. Let's do Rogue One. Um, Do we all like it? I've not seen it. As I, oh, I mentioned to you, right. I'm, I'm waiting to see it with that's my right. brother. You're waiting to see it with your brother. So yeah. I made yes. him go see Collateral Beauty. <laughs> Motherfucker. Oh. So he was already in the back. Tiff mood. back on. Yeah, I was saying, I knew, I was, that's why I was getting out ahead of it. I knew he was mad at me because he texted me last night when he left the theater. So I was like, well, I might as well just start taking swipes if he's going to get mad at me. Um, um, well, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I, I liked it a lot. And what what I loved about it was it was exactly what it was advertised as. It was a side Star Wars movie. It's not part of the trilogies. It's not part of the main story. It's something that happened on the side. It was completely self-contained. There's not like, oh, what's there's what's going to happen at the end? What's going to happen to you know um, after this movie? It was... It was really cool. In video game terms, it would be, it's like bonus download content. You know, it's that kind of thing. Well, I really, really enjoyed the game, but I'd like to get a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of a self-contained scenario. Mm-hmm. That's what this was. So I really, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was well put together. I thought it felt new and also the same way The Force Awakens did. Uh, it had like a lot of cool, new, interesting things, but also 
Uh, it was rooted in the Star Wars universe, so there was still all that like hardware and like old uh, technology where you know everything is like a grid. Like every computer display yeah. is uh, like nothing's been upgraded or nothing. And like, oh no, this is uh, everything is like you know there was there was a saying of like you know um, the Star Wars universe is more hardware, where Star Trek was always more software. Where it okay. really it really feels that way, where you know everything has to be connected with a wire. <laughs> In the Star Wars universe, there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> right. And uh, But the thing is, it's been so established that that's kind of the way the technology works in this universe. It doesn't bother me, you know? So sure. I really uh, I enjoyed it. There were a couple weird plotty things, absolutely. Like, there was a couple things we'll get more into in the spoiler ups. You're like, what? I don't, I don't think that was such a good yeah, idea. Yeah, we're going to uh, do a spoiler up with uh, Mike Schmidt. But, but okay. overall, I, I really enjoyed it, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I very much agree. I thought it was... I thought it was fun. Gareth Edwards, who directed it, who did Monsters in 2010, which we, I remember when that came out, we were yes. like, this is a really cool, low budget. This guy skipped to the head of the class. He did Monsters, Godzilla, Star Wars. Know, Those are his movies. crazy. He I think shorts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, Colin Trevorrow, though, that talk about skipping to the head of the class. Same thing. Right? Same, yeah. same trajectory. Yeah. It, you know, the thing I loved about, there's some great stuff about Rogue One. It's, it's, um, it's the first ever Star Wars movie where a woman got top billing. Um, Anthony Daniels is now the only person to have been in all Star Wars movies. Well, he's yes. the uh, he's the Screech Powers he's of the Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you want to go characters, it's R two D two and C three PO are the two characters that are in right. every movie. But as far as actors goes, yeah, he's the only one. <laughs> um, you know the the it was it was it was all the things you said, and which I was. I wasn't let down at all. When I heard about this and saw the first trailer, I was like, oh, they can just make an awesome movie without having to put in any of this other stuff. Like, the... the um, Looking back on Force Awakens, you know, I loved it. It was great. We had a blast. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff where they're just like, well, they had to... They had to right. do this. They had to put that in there. They had to have those two talk in that way or whatever. Where... This movie, they could just do awesome stuff. I mean, now, granted, it's a, it's a prequel, so it's still framed in that like, here's where we start, here's where we have, where we have to get to. The Death Star plans have been uh, taken. We know yeah. we mm-hmm. know what's going to right. happen, mm-hmm. but how they did it was really interesting. And definitely, and also, I loved. I was I was very like mindful of well, in the timeline, you know, this is you know 1977. Mm-hmm movie making technology that they're a little bit beholden to um so i thought again they did a good job and the haircuts that. the haircuts and, the haircut, and everything like some like, of the there's definitely some 70s in the council yeah i'm like oh yeah this is 70s by by that rationale then are you holding it against the prequels that they did not adhere to that same kind of oh, timeline those, those other prequels were awful i mean like okay. they, they were just making disasters. sure we're on the same page that yes. was my that was such Absolutely. a huge point of, of the things i didn't like about those i'm like so they had more technology exactly like it didn't make sense and we, everything was green screen this one i mean these movies feel more real because they're making more practical sets and yeah. creatures and everything it just feels more tactile of a universe and shooting on film it, it makes mm-hmm. it, it's like i said it's nostalgic but also um they're using the new technology too with uh you know with walkers and everything like all these giant fight scenes that the originals never had you know a uh, a giant land air battle on the beach 
you know, which is so amazing. Wow. It's really cool. Well, it's that cool thing of, you know, all the Star Wars movies, the original three are always taking you to different places and different mm-hmm. worlds and mm-hmm. the Hoth planet and this, that. So then, you know, and they shot that actually in the Maldives, um, which is this beautiful string of islands um, kind of near India and Sri Lanka. Um, mm-hmm. That'll be underwater in 20 years. Yeah. Um, but Good there's luck. No, but there's no climate change. Mm-hmm. Um so it was so cool. I, I, I dug all that. I, I and and you know Donnie Yen as a blind samurai. Yeah, <laughs> a blind a blind Jedi rather. I yeah. mean, it's a samurai. It was like mm-hmm. pretty was, similar. There was so much cool shit like that. And um, the one know, thing that that I will say though, like I like how it was such a diverse like cast of mm-hmm. um, and, and characters. But the one thing that really felt forced is everyone needed different accent. At some point, like every single character has a different accent. I get it that it's you know it's the galaxy and there's all different types of people and what, but but come on, okay, just two people in a British accent so I can understand what's going on. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> yeah, the only problems I had, and we'll get into it more in the spoiler, was just the Peter Cushing, the um, CG Peter Cushing. Oh man, that yeah. really took me out of it. Right, and I was so kind of like taken aback, like. I understand Tarkin, Admiral Tarkin. Yeah, Admiral Tarkin or General mm. Tarkin. Oh yeah, probably before an admiral. Um, so I was <laughs> before he I, got promoted. That was no? a little like, huh? If you were a young person who didn't know Peter Cushing, and then you saw it, and didn't know, oh, he's been dead a long time, and they CG'd him, would you have noticed? Yes, because this is where the technology fell flat. It looked very much like a cartoon. Okay. Like, it, it wasn't it's detailed like all enough. all of a sudden, we were in Polar Express. Right. Like there was one character uh, that looked like Polar Express. Yes. Got it. So, it was really the kind of thing where I don't know if this is the right direction that you needed to go for, yeah. for this. Like, even, I would have rather have seen, like, prosthetics where it didn't look exactly like him, but it still looked like a person. Well, the thing mm-hmm. that was puzzling to me is why didn't they use the late the, the technology they used in like Forrest Gump, you know, where they had Kennedy and and those they took footage of them and put them in the regular movie. And yeah, I would think that twenty years later that technology it, would be a lot better. I'll tell you, it is, and it's so funny you mentioned that because I was just about to mention that as a bad example. The since they're using real footage, the the overall looks great. But if you watch their mouths, yeah, it looks terrible. Their mouths look right. terrible. But mm-hmm. this was even. But all of the features were weird, and they moved in this mm, weird, jarring robotic way. And, it, and they're standing right next to an actual person. Yeah. So I don't know. I and don't, also, even after like Lord of the Rings, where we have Gollum, the way he moved and even the way he looked, it it like it was a little more seamless. <laughs> Uh, but granted, it was a creature too, so it didn't have to look exactly like right. a person. It, it, so, yeah, it's, and it doesn't need to move like humans. Right, right. So I, I really felt that that took me out of it as well. There's like, uh, we won't spoil it in this episode, but there's one or two other examples in the right. film. But uh, this was the kind of thing where I, I'm sure on paper this was probably everyone was like, "Oh, this is a great idea." But when you finally get into it and see the technology, especially on the big screen, it might look better at home. When you see it on DVD, yeah. but on the big screen, it really, it's jarring. I, I mm. went to the Chinese theater, so I saw it in the laser IMAX. Oh, movie. so it's as crisp it as you could like have seen it. It yeah. was so obvious. Ooh, I yeah. see. It's like watching, you know, news newscasters on high def. Right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a was, lot of makeup on action news. It was no Oliver Reed in Gladiator, <laughs> which they did surprisingly well. That was one of the first big face replacements. Well, that was the thing... It was really why I think it was so jarring was like 
this day and age, the technology is so amazing. Like how they showed the Death Star, um, the way they use the Death Star in this one and still keeping it so it didn't have new technology from 1977. And yet mm-hmm. it was, that was seamless. That's why it was so jarring because so much other, the technology was so great. Like that beach fighting scene. Right. It was, ama- was seamless. amazing. You know what? Amazing. Different departments. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, that's all Peter Cushing. And that would be 100% post. Right. And what you're talking about sounds like a lot of set dressing and production design and forethought before they even shot. Yeah. So, now, that's I'll a give, great point. That's I'll give you an point. example of where the technology was so seamless and interesting you probably didn't even notice. Uh, towards the end, there's a uh, I'll, uh, there's some cameos uh, of some of the X-Wing pilots, mm-hmm. like Red Leader, and, and who were in the original Star Wars. Right. They found original footage in the Lucas Vault from Star Wars that they didn't use wow. of those actors, and they incorporated them into this movie, like put them in different cockpits and stuff. That's amazing so, that's for those actors right. yeah, to the, get paid again. Yes. 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 Jesus <laughs> a movie with a $200 yes. million dollar budget. I'm yeah. so happy for yeah. them. Yeah, well, one of them passed away this year. Well, his family uh, will get the residuals. His getting, getting a check. But, but that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I, th- I think they were in the original Star Wars, and they looked the same. It was footage. It was amazing that uh, uh, I think it was Gareth Edwards was touring Lucasfilm mm-hmm. uh, and it was just like they went into the vault and there was all this unused Star Wars footage and he literally went in and found it and then incorporated it into the movie. That, again, mm-hmm. that that is why this Peter Cushing stuff was so jarring. There were so many cool little tips of the hats to that because they were in that you know that timeline right. of like this person, that person, like the guy from the bar that wants to fight Luke. Yes. Uh-huh. You see him quickly and you're like, oh, that's... You better watch yourself. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that was great. Yeah. And that's that's why I, I see why, like you said, on paper, let's have Peter Cushing right. in those scenes yeah. because it's right around this timeline. Mm-hmm. I was like, awesome. But it just, it took me out. But it's, it's really overall... The, I, I dug the movie. I had a blast. Yes, me too. Uh, we we saw it together. Whole family really enjoyed it, and uh, it was the kind of movie too that uh, you know it reminded me a little bit of um, Fantastic Beasts of where like if you're in the Harry Potter world, mm-hmm. this is like a separate like side story that if you're a fan, you're really gonna love it. Yeah, and it, it because it didn't do anything like crazy like somebody like oh well that would never happen in the star wars universe no, that never happened like as i was watching this movie it's i thought everything was content it's yeah, such great exactly stuff. Mm-hmm. i felt it was just it was so meticulously and well crafted it was a, it was a side story and it was exactly what um as advertised this is what mm-hmm. disney does so they do this with the marvel universe they're very meticulous about that marvel universe mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. universe has already been existed so when they got this property they were going to they're going to apply that logic or that way of doing business to this and it's awesome i was i left there going okay every year i get a star wars movie i'm in darth vader was great like his cameo was really good really good darth vader's in it guys (laughs) (laughs) it's it's fantastic we're in a movie about the death star has darth vader in it oh i didn't see that coming yeah that's right that's true we didn't see the emperor Mm. um all right. So, but we're going to get more into the uh, details in the spoiler app. But it was it was really fun. Really enjoyed. It. And I thought all the, the cast did a really nice job. Good too. acting. Like, there Good, was no was cast. Well, um, you know, there was um, no one was like 
oh boy, you're really dragging down this movie. Like no one like really walked through it. Everyone was there, really there, there. There was no Jar Jar. There was no, no Jar Jar. There's no Jar Jar. No, there's no. good script. There's no mm-hmm. even you know a New Hope. Look, we all love it because we saw it as kids. But if you watch it again now, there's some clunky dialogue and sexism and all that stuff. So sure, this doesn't have any of that. It's Mm-mm. just. It's just good, and the moments that are funny were funny. Right. And it's good action. And it's that classic Star Wars of, like, they're always going from one, like, how the hell are they going to get out of this, Mm -hmm. edge of your seat, Mm -hmm. like, fun. Right. It was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. It was a good fun movie. All right. Speaking of not fun. (laughs) Collateral Son of a bitch. Now, I will just start by saying that I was excited to see this movie. The only reason we didn't get to see it on Sunday is because of uh, the times felt where we couldn't get out. We, you know, we only have the babysitter for a couple hours. And we ended up seeing La La Land, but we'll talk about it after. But it sounds like um, uh, having dinner take longer may have done us a favor. Yes. (laughs) Let me let me preface this. So the only way for Sam and I, because we yeah. both saw this, to go into this movie and how, how bad it is, is mm-hmm. we got to get after we give away spoilers. So just we're going to do a little spoiler up within this episode. Mm-hmm. So for the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to give away the ending, um, stuff that happened. So but if you have not seen... Right, this is so important. This is so important. Trust me, audience. Graham and I are doing you a favor. favor. <laughs> a favor. If you really have your heart set on seeing this... And I did. Okay, pause mm-hmm. this and then, you know. Or just skip over the next 10 minutes. I but guess. I trust you guys, so now I'm going to hear what you have to say. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so for the next well, 10 minutes, I'll cap it at 10 minutes. Okay, good. Okay. Um, <sighs> Sam, do you want to lead us? You sure. Start us? <laughs> so the movie is about Will Smith, and as we come to learn, his daughter, his six year old daughter, uh, died. Uh, I guess two or three years. Prior to basically where the story begins, and Will Smith is uh, he he has a an advertising company that he started with his with his three best friends yeah. uh, Edward Norton, Kate Winslet, and Michael Pena, um, and uh, and basically after his kid died, he's become this broken shell of a man, understandably so. Mm-hmm. But it's I guess been a couple of years, and his uh, the owners of the company. Uh, the company's falling apart because he's not doing any business anymore. Okay, like, just uh, let me stop you right there. So far, sounds great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's it the laugh really, riot yeah. of the year. It sounds like that just, it sounds like a really heartfelt, poignant drama. Right, and he's a, so, and this broken man, he won't talk, he won't engage. Right. He won't, They've got some big business deal coming that right. he needs, he's a 60% owner of the company. Like, I still want to see this movie. Right, <laughs> and they can't, and basically they can't do anything because he owns the bulk of the company. They can't sell the company, they can't oh, make any big okay. board decisions yeah. mm-hmm. he has all the power and he won't even talk to these people and it's been years mm-hmm. and so they hire a private investigator to basically their ideas well no no we'll hire an investigator to say that he is mentally incapable of running the company and we'll pull it away from him so that we can sell it it's all they want to do is sell the company or, or sell off a ship, some stock shares. Yes, yes. basically sell the company, but everybody keeps their job, something like that. Yeah. So now this already raises one question. Is that how you do that? You hire a private investigator to find someone mentally... That is the fucking <laughs> crux of the movie. That's that, where the plot begins. Wait a minute. I didn't, you're already that's like, not in the trailer. A, no, yeah. that so sounds what's a little weird already. I, I want to talk about the trailer. <laughs> Please. Because the trailer says, shows you, it doesn't talk about the business thing it just the trailer basically says here's a guy who's broken 
he lost his his daughter and is broken, as Sam said, and understandably so. That would crush anybody. Sure. And how he's dealing with it is he's writing letters to love and death and time. Yes. Right. And then they visit him. And right. then they visit him. Mm-hmm. Love and death and time take human form. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that... Me? I saw the trailer and went, this is probably going to be cheesy, but I kind of like this. I got goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah, I got right. goosebumps. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't, what a cool movie idea. Right. Let's right. explore this. Mm-hmm. Well, guess Here, what? Here's the problem. So, uh, inexplicably, uh, this very big... Uh, advertising agency, I guess, also has a casting agency within itself because they're holding an audition for some random commercial there. And as Ed Norton is walking past a line of actresses waiting in a hallway. In an ad agency. In an ad agency. Not at a casting studio in New York City. Not at a casting studio. There's no seats for them. They're all lined up against the wall. Like Mad Men. Like Mad Men. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and Kira Knightley happens to be just this gorgeous actress on the end who just randomly catches Edward Norton and changes the dialogue that she's about to say in the ad read. And uh, he's like, no, 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 that's not it. She's like, no, but it's better. Trust me. Let me do it again. And then she just says the same shitty line of dialogue backwards. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you know what? You're right. Runs in, tells him, hey, swap the dialogue. This is better. And then when he goes back to tell her, she's gone. And then he chases her down the street. And then he no, chases Ed her. Norton does. Ed yeah, Norton does. Ed chases Ke- Kira Knightley through down the hall, through the lobby, down across the street, and into, literally across the street, a theater where she's late for rehearsal. Wait. She was the last person on a line that was going to take her 40 minutes to get through. And now she's late for rehearsal. It made zero logical sense. Runs across the street and she's doing a play with uh, Helen Mirren and the kid who played Time. Whoever yeah, I, I don't know the actor's Johnny name. name. Yes, Younger Johnny no name. Um, so... Uh, See, so already so, it's already starting to lose me. So so here's what they do. So then they meet these three actors uh-huh. who were rehearsing this play that we never learn anything about. Right. And all we know Macbeth. is yeah. <laughs> they're, they're definitely rehearsing yeah. the Scottish play. And uh and so then the They need money to put on this play, so then that's where Ed Norton hatches this brilliant scheme. And he gets the other, he gets uh, uh, Kate Winslet and uh, Michael Pena on board. Hey, here's what we're going to do. We are going to hire these actors. To play. To play Love, Death, and Time so that you guys can show up in person and answer the letters that he's been writing. So the cool premise to the movie that you wanted to see is now gone. Oh my God. And they're going to trick this guy who, while broken and is a shell of himself, is not uh, mentally incapable of of understanding what humans are. Like He's not out of his mind. And the purpose is to show him mentally incompetent so they can sell the company. Exactly. So then the goal is they're going to have these people, love, death, and time, harass him in public. Wow. And they're going to get the private investigator to record it, and then they're going to digitally remove the actors so that when they show the video footage to the board, it looks like he's an insane person talking to no one. Wow. So at least at the end, do the real love, death, and time show up and are angry? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. I would love that. So here's the dumb thing. So quick thing. So Mm. 
in the theater when Edward Norton first chases Kira Knightley into the theater and he's like, I got an idea. And then he walks out. Helen Mirren goes to Kira Knightley. Well played. So that's a dumb seed that the dumb filmmakers who think they're being clever are planting that right. is horrifyingly obvious. Wow. Right. So they say, and they're talking, you know, and they tell the actors, pretend like no one can see you other than him. Right. And they stage a couple people to walk by and go, hey. Yeah, who's that man talking to, mommy? Yeah. And it's the, it's the private investigator with a kid who does that line. Yeah. And Dowd, by the way, plays the private investigator, and I fucking love her. So I guess as a Kermit the Frog. But so, it's, <laughs> so it's not even structured like as the audience, you don't know if he's really crazy or this is a setup. No, it, you are you, meant you, to you believe. You literally know at the beginning because you see the setup. No, you are meant to believe he is not crazy and they are real people. Spoiler alert. Oh. They are not real people. They are love, death, and time. And of course, while they have these interactions with Will Smith, what they're really Therefore, is Kate Winslet, Edward Norton, and Michael Pena, who all have their own important conversations they need to have with love, death, and time. The problem is none of those stories are meaningful whatsoever because they're just stuck in there. They don't resonate whatsoever. Wow. Wow. Could this get dumber? Oh, yes, it, it sure can. could. Wait, aren't we already at two oh, hours? No. Nope. <laughs> it's Mercifully, it's only 90 minutes. It's a 90 minute movie. <laughs> that you feels like it's yeah, two minutes. Yeah. It already yeah. felt like I've been listening for two hours. Yeah. You have. Um, so, we see Will Smith. He won't go to a group therapy thing. He's standing mm. outside looking through the window at what is obviously a support group for parents that have lost children. Right. One day he finally walks in and there's a beautiful young woman who's running it. Naomi Harris from 28 Days Later. Naomi Harris from 28 Days Later. And she's like, hello, Howard, come in. And he's like, won't talk and won't. She's like, my daughter was six years old, her name, and she died from, lists off this long globoclopinoculus, we call it GBM or whatever. <laughs> and he won't say anything and he leaves. That first scene, I thought, oh God, I bet you that's his actual ex-wife. Yep. That's what I thought. Wow. I'm, I'm like, the way he walks in there and they have that, it was such a weird interaction. Mm -hmm. And... Meanwhile, of course, the whole time that doesn't happen for a good thirty minutes into yeah. the movie, and the whole time I'm thinking they keep talking about his his daughter who died. Where? Why are they not mentioning his wife? Was he a single dad? Right. They haven't said he was a single dad. They haven't said it was an accident. And he lost his mm -hmm. wife and his daughter. They just keep talking about his daughter being gone, and so the whole time I'm going, "Where's the fucking wife? What happened to the wife?" And then he mm -hmm. walks into this room, and, you go, and oh. he sees Naomi Harris, and I'm going. Seems a little weird to have Naomi Harris in this movie if, God damn it. Yeah, God damn it. Oh, and his apartment is some little, like, one-bedroom bachelor pad that a, uh, a guy who owns a giantly successful ad agency worth tens of millions mm -hmm. of dollars in New York City would not be living in. No. Right. So then um, there's a scene where- That was his, just his depression yeah, loft. Sure, yeah. that was his depression loft. So he finally goes back and he starts sharing in one of the meetings in the middle of this interacting with Love, Death, and Time. And mm -hmm. then he leaves and he starts talking to Naomi Harris and she's like, are you part of the 79%? Oh, she's like, my husband, my ex-husband- yeah. Mm -hmm. He says, she goes, are you part of the 79%? He goes, what do you mean? The 79% of couples that get divorced after their child dies because it's just too hard. Mm -hmm. It's just too right. difficult. 
they meant they go into this in rabbit hole which is a that yes. movie was <laughs> go watch rabbit hole don't watch oh, this yeah. um so she's like yeah my husband and he goes and what about your you know husband and the whole time i'm like oh fuck it's you too and <laughs> he wrote her some letters saying i wish we could still be i wish we could be strangers again wish we could be strangers again so finally, so this was the one letter not written to Love, Death, or Time. No, That's correct. It was written to written to his wife, and and she shows it to him, saying, "My husband wrote this to me, saying I wish we could be strangers again." Going, "Hey, I'm treating you like a stranger, like that note you wrote me." Uh, the end of the and movie, was... he comes over. It's Christmas Eve. He's like, "I thought you might be alone." She's like, "Yeah, I am." Um, I, and he goes, you're crying. Yeah, I was watching a video of my daughter with her dad. And then we see the video. Guess who the dad is? As if at that Bing point, boom. anyone in the theater with an IQ over 60 hasn't figured it out. Yeah. Wow. Hasn't figured out everything going on because it is crash level heavy handed. Yeah. We're still, anyone who's just fast forward, we're still talking about collateral. I'm beauty. so sorry, a couple guys. More minutes. Um, so then the end of the movie, Love, Death, and Time, Michael Pena talks to his wife about his cancer. Yeah. And Edward Norton becomes a better dad because he, he cheated on his it, wife. It, didn't even, it, it doesn't Helen matter. Mayer it could not have mattered less. Winslet's got something going on. Because it doesn't matter because they weren't the focus of the story. And who cares? Exactly. They, they, they were a, a, an afterthought. So wow. then walk, they're walking through. So, so Naomi Harris and Will Smith are walking through Central Park. They're holding hands. They've patched up their marriage. They're dealing with the grief mm-hmm. of their child, the loss of their child. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely day. He looks back over his shoulder and at a little walkway bridge in Central Park, he sees love, death, and time. And he mm-hmm. sees them and he looks and he smiles. Naomi Harris turns like, what's my husband looking mm-hmm. at? She looks up there. She sees Nothing. nothing. They actually were love, death, and time. What a big switcheroo for the dumbest thing ever. 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 So my question is, at what point, since evidently only Will Smith, Kate Winslet, Edward Norton, and Michael Pena could see love, death, and time. So since those three thought they were talking to real people, at what point when Ann Dowd has this video footage... Does one of them say to her, and you were able to remove the actors we put in there? And then Ad Dowd is supposed to go, what are you talking about? There, right. there were no other people there. No, 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 the actors we paid. No, he, he was, he was, you got put me on the path of a crazy person. He was talking to no one. No, 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 let me see the footage. And then they watch the footage. And then Ed Norton is supposed to have some fucking moment where he's like, oh my God, oh, it's a girl. That's not in the movie. No. No. That would have been a great scene. Oh my because God. I feel like the, the scene in the park was shot later or something. Like they just yeah. they were it like, on. maybe it's not clear. You know what it feels like? It feels like this was a spec script that got bought and like, oh, we love the premise, but we would just want to change everything. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And everyone took a pass and put in oh. something else and it all it sounds just like an absolute mess. I it, went it was. Monday afternoon. I, I feel like, like I just wasted an hour and a half. You did. Yeah. <laughs> Monday afternoon, I was like, I want to go see this because I want to talk about it with Sam as well because mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't going to see Rogue One. Nope. And I and I still was still clinging to the hope that the trailer was was like maybe this will be a cool movie. Right. And I was like, I knew I needed to see it alone. 
right. my girlfriend was like, no way. Well, trailer editor deserves a... Pro- uh, <laughs> trailer editor deserves... Uh, he is a, a magician. Right. He is super... Or her. They are his... Maybe he's love, death, and time. The team. The team. The editing team over there. Yep. Whoever they are, they are... They have superhuman strength. Wow. 17% Rotten Tomatoes before I went into the theater. When I mm. came home, it was down to 14%. Wow. So it's dropping. Yeah. And I believe it is Wilt the lowest opening of his yeah. career. Is that correct? Thirty-six million dollar budget. Um, yeah, it's it's horrible. And uh, I mean, it obviously had the 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 disadvantage of opening against Rogue One, but it was even good counter programming. So. I mean, it was it's for smart. people that don't it, want to see it was. Rogue One. In my theater, I'm sure you had the same thing. My theater was mostly older people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who probably had no interest in seeing Star Wars. And even when you guys came in and you, I knew you both didn't like the movie, I was like, all right, they're going to tell me about this movie. In my back of my head, there was still that one hope of like, well, maybe they're both wrong. Maybe <laughs> maybe it's still good. But now, I want you to see now this I'm, because I want to yeah, I, I see how mad you get. Yeah, yeah, there's, it, there's no You're going to go nuts. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're view of story structure and character yeah. like <laughs> is going to eat itself. There <laughs> might there might as well be flashing neon signs wow. during certain points of the movie where they're like, "Do you get it yet? Yeah. Do you see what's happening yet? They're having the important conversations." Wow. It's like, "Oh." Well, that is a shame. Please give the audience some credit. <laughs> um, yeah. but I will say this about trailers. Um so the the guy who cut that trailer together deserves an award for making a shit movie look like a reasonable movie. The flip side of that, uh, the movie Nocturnal Animals. Have either of you seen it? Mm-mm. No. Okay, I will not spoil anything about it for you, but I will say this, and I said this on a last a previous podcast. Um, the TV spots. I don't know about the, the long trailer, but the TV spots they've been airing for Nocturnal Animals are the most misleading (laughs) TV spot, trailer, ad for movie I've maybe ever seen. It couldn't be more wrong. So one of the animals actually is Love, Death, and Time? One of the animals is Will Smith. It's a continuation of this movie. And Uh, they're they're up during the day. And and basically, I I encourage people... (laughs) They never sleep. (laughs) They are diurnal. Yes. If you will. Um, uh, People should see Nocturnal Animals. It is a good movie. So if you saw the trailer and you were like, meh, see the movie. If you saw the trailer and you were like, oh, I want to see that, see the movie, but be aware it's different from what you might think it's going to be. Right. All right. Well, the movie I did get to see was La La Land that you had seen last uh, last week. And I will say I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And it was the kind of movie, too, that um, I went in. I'm not a huge fan of musicals, but again, you know, everyone. I'm not a huge fan of mu- musicals, but I liked Moana. <laughs> I liked La La Land. It, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to really... Keep naming musicals you liked that weren't from this past month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> Uh, oh wait, I don't know. All right, Chicago. So <laughs> All right, one best picture, two thousand two. Right, yeah, Greece. Um, so yeah, yeah. not one best picture. <laughs> So I, I saw this movie and I was thinking like it, it was all those things you said. It was like it was a love letter to L.A. It was um, it, it had the chemistry between um, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone was fantastic. It was really interesting. It was a really cool kind of romantic drama. I wouldn't even call it like a romantic comedy. There weren't that. There were some jokes in it, but there weren't. It wasn't like you know, laugh, ha ha, laugh laugh throughout the thing. But I will say this about the movie. I think. It also has a little more depth than people are giving it credit for. It's the kind of movie, too, that surprises you in a way where it's this light, fun, 
uh, Love Letter to L.A., but there's also a melancholy undertone to it, which Mm. I really liked. Mm. And it makes these really great parallels between the entertainment industry where everything's a facade. You know, every movie, every TV show, this is an idealized version of what, you know, life should be like. And it makes the parallel between how, whether you're in the entertainment industry or not, you make that um, idolized version for yourself in your own life. Like, and it matches what Hollywood sells you. And not just being part of that, you know, dream machine, but also in your own life. Like, you want to see your own life idolized uh, up on the screen as you've made all the right decisions. You have no regrets. You married the right person and all those things. And it make the, makes those parallels. And it also shows you that that is a facade and it also is simply not true. It, it's it's false. Mm-hmm. So it, And the it, various choices that you make that you could have it could have taken you down a different path. Yes, exactly. Uh, the it's so, a wonderful life of it all. Yes, yeah. And, and uh, so it gives uh, it gives a movie. Say like that this. with more cynicism. <laughs> Say that just with more. Ah, uh, yes, the old "It's a Wonderful Life" of it so all. It, it gives a movie that is also lighthearted and fun and a musical, but it also gives it a little more emotional depth than I was expecting. So I really liked it on multiple levels. I was singing film. the song for days after. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm th- I'm like you. I'm not a huge musical guy right. either. I'm I, I'm not like most of the time. I'm like I don't want to go see this musical. Yeah, right. But I was singing the song it was great yeah so there there's even more to this movie than you know a lot of the reviewers and also like you know the trailers are showing you there's a, there's a real nice um other level to this movie even when we get into like there's certain shots like you know they're in their apartment and you know it, it's kind of a cozy nice you know one bedroom kind of thing in la and they're happy but then there's a shot of like you know there's like mold or like damage on the ceiling like there's all these kind of little like yeah it's nothing's ever ever going to be completely perfect in your life and your work you know and it's just that you know this hollywood facade that we've been selling you since the 30s sure so it's it's really it was really cool to see that kind of uh depth in a movie that also is just fun and energetic so i liked it all right so let's talk about some trailers yes Uh, yeah you see the dunkirk trailer i have seen the dunkirk trailer shit i love that trailer Um, i'm excited i'm excited i was weird i was the teaser trailer, the really brief teaser trailer, right. mm-hmm. got me more excited because that left very little, uh, or, or left a lot to the imagination. I yes. should say uh, this helped cleared it up a little, but even so, I'm at this point. I don't think I'm going to watch another trailer or anything until I can see the movie. Right, I don't want right. to know anything else. I'm excited about it for sure. The other thing too that I'm noticing is this: this movie has such this epic scope and feel, but it really looks visual effects heavy mm-hmm. like you it really looks like oh my god it's almost like a hyper real version of it because you, you have so many special effects and and it, it just uh um it almost reminds me of like a little bit of like braveheart where hmm. you know every it, it's these epic huge scenes but you also have like when you see like the planes in the air like were there that many planes in the air that close together like that kind of we'll yeah. just put more planes more cj just but it's deliberate to give you that kind of feel of like these overwhelming odds and everything. So I really felt like this had this, it's this great kind of hyper stylized, hyper real version of, um, uh, of Dunkirk. The trailer that I saw actually played before collateral beauty. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, 
Lucky you. Yeah, you should have uh, watched that 10 more times. Yeah, it was, that was the best part of seeing Collateral. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, and Christopher Nolan wrote and directed it. Yes. Tom Hardy's in it. I, I think it's just going to be. I'm excited to see it. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for Dunkirk. And the next one is Blade Runner 2049. Yep. Now, uh, that they've only released the teaser for. Yes, it's only a teaser, but uh, I'm on board for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm still waiting to see the giant Atari sign. They've got to bring back the giant Atari sign. Remember? You would hope. The uh, that was like the big thing, like uh, when <laughs> when Blade Runner came out, Atari was so huge, thinking, "Oh, well, nothing's ever going to happen to this company." You know, they're going <laughs> to sure. be way into the future, and they're right. still going to have the same logo. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, far into the future. Oh, yeah. But now I will say this: you know, Ridley Scott did come out and say that you know Decker was a replicant, so uh, because that's one of the the kind of hidden Easter eggs in the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, will they explore that in this movie? don't know but i don't care if they do or not it's still it looks really cool Uh, i'm very excited the one thing that i don't know bothered me a little bit and this is a very personal thing is the trailer starts with that same harrison ford voiceover voiceover Mm -hmm. and because of when the movie was released uh it was released the same year i was born 1982 Mm -hmm. so i did not see blade runner until approximately 1992 93 94 maybe somewhere in there Whatever it was, the first time I saw it was the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Without the voiceover. Without the voiceover. Right. And that was the version I'd watched two or three times mm-hmm. and was like, oh, this is a fucking great movie. I like this movie so much. And then it wasn't until years later that I was just flipping the channels and I saw Blade Runner was coming on and I went, oh, I'll watch that. And then the movie starts out. It was cold. It was a dark night. And I'm going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is this taking a shit all over this great noir. And he sounds like he's angry as he's delivering these lines, which, of course, we now know he kind of was. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember I was like, oh, my God, this is such a different experience from the movie that I felt personally connected right. to just because of a weird time thing. I was just the wrong age to see well, it in I, theaters. Here's the trivia thing, too, is I don't even know the answer to this. How many versions of Blade Runner are there? Because oh. they're, it, it got recut so it many really times. It really did. It really uh, did. I, it was almost like... I, I think even Ford I think is even, in this one. He is. I think even more times than Brazil it got recut. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and Ryan Gosling. They're the two leads. Yeah. So I, uh, I felt... I I, it, I don't know. It kind of it it worried me when I heard the VO because mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, do the non VO one. Haven't we learned anything? I, but maybe I, that's just for the trailer. It maybe it's just, just for the trailer. trailer it's yeah. just a teaser. I'm holding out hope, but I do feel semi confident that I know the it was the studio that insisted they add the VO. Uh, and so I'd like to think if history has taught them anything in the 35 years in between the two movies, it's that, hey, sometimes right. the audience is smart enough to figure it out. Let's give them credit. Not like those assholes at Collateral Beauty. Yeah. Well, let's well, do that. Let's do that on the, I, I was going to say, let's do that on the message boards. We'll have the fans. Uh, if you can uh, do every single release of Blade Runner with a year next to it. Let's see how many okay. times it was. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny because uh, it's uh, Dennis Vianview or whatever that did Sicario yeah. and Arrival. So, and Prisoners. And Prisoners, which mm-hmm. I like. Um, so I'm excited about that. The voiceover thing, it's funny. I had a, I had a very, the, the flip version of that. Mm. So I saw it when it came out in the theaters and I was probably um, 11 or 12 when mm-hmm. it came out. Sure. So... 
the VO at that age was fine for me. Sure. It wasn't talking down to me. Right. But also having, and then as I got older and watched both, mm -hmm. I, I know it's a studio thing and a lot of them didn't like it. And, and, and I know a lot of people feel, feel that it's heresy. I've always said this though, why I don't just completely discount the VO. And maybe it's the 12 year old me thinking it was cool. Sure. But it is what those noir movies always had was the gumshoe talking. Yes. Which you wanted that effect. So I understand about you don't want to spoon feed the audience and tell them, well, here's what's happening next. Yeah. But that that voice is the voice of that style of film. You want to hear Philip Marlowe. Right. Yeah, yeah. you do. And that's who he was. That's who and, and Harrison Ford was great as Deckard. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, were you a big noir fan at that age? Like, were you watching older movies like that? I had watched a lot of them on TV. Okay. So I was watching that. I was watching Twilight Zone on TV mm -hmm. at that age. Um, we had moved from Madison, Wisconsin to Chicago. And so... So we, you were you were conditioned for a VO. I was. Really? I, I mean, really was. Okay. <laughs> because I loved Rod Serling opening right, and closing right. sure. every Twilight Zone. And then when mm. I would watch, you know... Fred McMurray, I was like, oh, there's the guy from My Three Sons being really mean, you know? Like, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was sort of conditioned to it. But I think, had I had, I had your experience, I would have yeah. felt, I would have been like, thought it was, it was, it was, yeah. it was awful. It was awful. It was such a, it was such an odd change of pace. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. It was, it's just one of those weird timing things for me, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah. That's such an interesting way to mm. talk about that. All right. So uh, now, Sam, we wanted to talk to you briefly about, uh, I know you've uh, told the story a couple of times on uh, other podcasts, but we want, we want to hear the uh, Inglorious Bastard story. Okay. Well, there's a few, but this mm -hmm. is the one I, I thought I would share with you guys. Um, so people often ask me, hey, what's Tarantino like? What's, what's it like working with Quentin? Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, I'm, I'm happy to report, he's a fucking genius. That's what yes. it's like. It's like working with a genius. <laughs> and... Um, and so uh, the best example of that story I can give you is the opening scene, uh, not the op quite the opening scene, but the first time you really see the bastards in action. Uh, we're in that ditch, uh, you know, with the tunnels and everything where you first meet the bear Jew and all that. And so we shot the movie in Berlin, and that sequence was actually the first thing we shot uh, when we started production. And so... Uh, it was a that that was a real location that was a a dugout trench for I think World War One, wow. and the idea of that trench was it was just out of range of the enemy's cannonballs, and it took them like six months to finally excavate it all, and by the time they were finished, the enemy had figured out how to fire their cannonballs farther. So they abandoned it. <laughs> so it's this ridiculous abandoned like stronghold trench. Um, and it takes a while to get there. Like it's a good, it, I remember it being a good hour plus drive from like the city of Berlin to get out there. So it's a schlep. We get out there. Uh, there's no room for, uh, like Quentin and video village. He doesn't really even have a video village, but he was at the top of this ledge. So to get down to where we were, you had to go down a ladder, down a back thing. It took a while. And so it takes forever to get the scene set up. And we do. And I don't know how well you guys remember the scene, but it was a little bit bigger, uh, in fact, it was considerably longer than what is ultimately in the movie, which I know sounds crazy because I think the scene, it takes 20 minutes. Um, but uh, so my the stuff I had to do in that scene, I'm standing guard with the rifle behind the three uh, soldiers who we've captured. And the first one uh, 
gets sent over and uh you know i how does he how does he die? Does he get beat to death with the baseball bat? I don't remember. No, Sergeant Ratchman does. So Ratchman is the first one to get sent over, and I'm sitting there, and uh, Aldo Rain, Brad Pitt, says, you know, a uh, uh, Hirschberg sent over that crowd sergeant. And in the original script, uh, I say, you know, that means you, Cupcake. And then I bash him in the back of the head with the butt of my rifle, and he doesn't budge. And then I say, when the captain says move, you move. And then I yank him to his feet by his hair. And then he turns around, he stares daggers at me, and I point my rifle at him, I, you know, I right in his chest, and I give him a look, you know, what, what are you going to do? And, uh, and then he looks at me, exhales, fixes his shirt, and then turns around and marches over and ultimately meets his death. And, uh, and so we go to do that scene for the wide, and we do it. And he walks over, and Quinn, ah, cut, cut, cut. And then he, all right, hang on, hang on. And then he takes two minutes to come all the way down. He wants to come and talk to us, runs down there, grabs me, and he pulls me away from all the other actors. And he goes, listen, man, listen, listen, listen. You got to understand. In this scene, you are some punk fucking Jewish kid from the United States. This guy is a sergeant in the Nazi army. The only thing stopping this guy from ripping your fucking head off is the fact that you're holding the gun and he isn't. And even then, he's got 10 other guns on him. That's the only thing stopping. He would love nothing more than to murder you where you stand. So the fact that you are insulting him, you're beating him up, you're yanking him to his feet, you're talking down to him, he's got fucking fire. You want him to make a move. You want an excuse to put a bullet through his neck. And I need to fucking feel that. I was like, dude, done. (laughs) So then he walks over and he talks to Richard Samuel, the actor who plays Sergeant Ratchman. Mm -hmm. He pulls him aside and they talk for three minutes and I don't know what he's saying to him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, don't talk to each other. And then he sends him back over and then Quentin runs back up to the top of the ridge and action. And this time we go and, you know, send that crowd sergeant over. That means you, Cupcake. Boom. He turns around. The sergeant, fuck you. Fucking move when the sergeant says move. And now there's fucking fury and fire between our eyes. It is palpable. He turns around. He's staring daggers at me. I'm pointing the gun. I'm poking him in the chest with it. And he's looking at me and he's not turning around either. And I'm, you know, and I'm, and now I'm fucking in the moment with him. And I'm where I'm like adding lines. I'm like, what? What do you want to do? Just give me an excuse. And he's looking at me. He's looking at me. He finally fixes his shirt and he turns around and he walks over and he sits down and then the rest of the scene. And cut! Fucking brilliant! Fucking brilliant! (laughs) And then I'm like, Jesus, that was great. And I walk over to Richard. I'm like, what did Quentin say to you? He said, oh, he just told me that if I felt like when I turn around and look at you, like if you were just some punk and I could grab that gun away from you and hit you with it, then I should. And then that would be the scene, and he'd rewrite the rest of it around that. <laughs> oh, really? <What? laughs> wow. That's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that, that scene could have gone another that way. That scene could have been very different. That oh, man. is directing. Yeah. Hirschberg could have died in the first scene, for all I know. Wow. Yeah. 
And that's the kind of guy he is. Nothing is precious. Nothing is sacred to him. He'll kill an actor on day one who maybe was supposed to live till you know day 100. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. If that's where the story makes the most sense, if that's where it believably goes the most, that's where it's going to go for him. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> That's crazy. All right, I want to go back and watch. Yeah, that now movie I want to now. go watch that scene. Unfortunately, again. the scene is that most of that is cut out. You only hear me. I don't even think you hear me say anything to him. Mm-hmm. Just to send him over, and then he just walks over. I mean, I, it kills me. But and I love that movie so much. But it is a long movie, right? And yeah. he the the problem was he was coming off of uh, Kill Bill. Uh, was, was the, the big it was which <laughs> that was so long they had to cut it into two, and then. Uh, yeah, and he did. They did Grindhouse, right? But even that, if you've ever seen uh, uh, the full feature uh, uh, that that he did for Grindhouse, um, uh, Death Proof was pretty long on its own, and he had to cut the hell out of that to fit into Grindhouse, right? And so I felt like, oh man, we're gonna get screwed. We shot so much movie, so much movie, and there's a lot of it that I don't think will ever get seen by anyone because Quentin is very protective of his stuff. There's no director's cuts. Everybody always asks me, oh, will there be a director's cut? I'm like, guys, Quentin has final cut. What you see in the theater is the director's right. cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there's no like extended edition because why would he ever second guess himself? Right. Like he's not going to let people see the, the edited footage and go, oh, you should have kept that in. Like he's not going to engage that conversation ever. I mean, you can count on one hand the number of deleted scenes that you've seen from Tarantino movies. Right. That's awesome. So, yeah. Fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> All right. All right. So on DVD and Blu-ray, Sully. Now, you saw this. I like Sully. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I saw Sully. You know, it's it's too competent. It's a very competent director and actor mm-hmm. making a solid movie about a thing. The thing I liked about it, it we are we know what happened. Yep. So we just get to see it from all these different points of view. Yep. And then all the behind the scenes... What was the politics of it? Right. I I mean, I, I, I was reading about this a lot when it happened because uh, you could essentially see the Hudson River from the house I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, from the house I grew up in. I did not grow up on the house. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I, I followed it pretty closely. And obviously, a movie without conflict is a very boring movie. But... The investigators played by uh, Mike O'Malley and Anna Gunn, in real life, they were extremely nice to Sully. They never, ever were mean. They never questioned him like that. In fact, the, the, the guy who Mike O'Malley played, whose real name escapes me, when the movie came out, he even said, look, I get it, it's a movie, but you guys should know, when Sully and, and the co-captain walked into the room for the very first time, I told the guy I thought he was a hero before we started the session. Like, I was never mean to him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should know, I never made him doubt himself. Like, I was like, it's crazy what you did. You're a hero. This is just the stuff we got to do. So apologies. Let's get to it. And then some of the stuff they asked might have sounded adversarial, but it's like, they just are, ha- they have to ask those right, questions. Right. Good job. And so I felt for that guy, I was like, oh, why they have to make them the villains? That's not cool. Right. But again, a movie without conflict is not a very enjoyable movie. So I get that they had to kind of, you know, uh, you know, sweeten reality a little bit there. But that was uh, the question. I, I I didn't know the details of that. That was the one question I asked when I watched this. I were they really, yeah. <laughs> really this confrontational? No, they were, they were pretty cool to them. But yeah, 
that that's good to know. Yeah. Um, uh, Magnificent Seven. Yeah, I think we split on this a little bit. I did not enjoy this film. Uh, I thought, you know, Anton Fuqua was more concerned with getting the hat exactly centered on Denzel Washington than actually shooting a movie. Uh, wow. Uh, so um, there was a lot of beautifully crafted shots. So, you know, take a few pictures, put it in a coffee table book. Uh, <laughs> Get leave, the yeah. wow. coffee table book, <laughs> wow. guys. It's a great, it's a great purchase. Yes. I, I did not see the film, but I'm happy to talk about the original Magnificent Seven. That's a great movie. It is indeed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, this, I didn't like, it's the... I guess it's the Antoine Fuqua movie that I disliked the least. <laughs> uh, well, did you see Southpaw? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you liked this more than Southpaw? I guess a little bit more than Southpaw. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't see this one. I did see Southpaw. I went into it just like, all right, Western, Fuqua, and I just sort of like, all right, fine. Yeah. Run around, shoot him up. Yeah. Good lines. Yeah. I didn't, because I think I have, I've been so let down by him before that I just <laughs> yeah. was like, it and, wasn't. And at the end, just have a thousand cowboys come at them and no one ever runs out of bullets. And, you know, it was like an Expendables movie. The first wave of bad guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now the second wave, it's really just the same guys over yeah. and over again. Um, go back and watch the original. Yeah, go back. Yeah, just definitely go back and watch the original, and yeah. then go back and watch um, Seven Samurai. Yeah. The original, ah, the original, original, yeah. yeah. Um, or Bugs Life. It's the same plot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bugs Life, or the three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> same film, guys. Just pick one. Just pick one. If you have kids, <laughs> yeah, go. Your I call. Go black yeah, and white. Yeah. Go black and white. <laughs> They're gonna learn at some point. <laughs> Um, and we have Storks. Now, we didn't uh, get a chance to see this, but um, our buddy Stephen Kramer Glickman is in it. So uh, check it out on uh, DVD. And the site spotlight and fan feedback. Are we Jackie Cation do- has a... Yes, Jackie Cation has a spoiler-filled review of Rogue One. Right. And uh, just a fair warning, it's uh, we even took a few extra days to post it because it's all spoilery. But um, it's... It's 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 a good read, yeah, for sure. Good read. Um, and also, we have, want to promote one of our writers, C.J. Johnson's um, new show on Skippy TV. It's called Watch This Skippy dot TV. Skippy dot TV. S K I P I dot TV. It's called Watch This, and it's uh, C.J. Johnson's new show from Australia. Um, we also want to do fan shout out uh, from Jeff T. Hall uh, sent us to uh, this the CFN. Care of Coffee and Jam Jam, <laughs> our P.O. box. He sent us a couple of cool Han Shot First shirts. Yes. It, which is great because every time like our one Han Shot First shirt's about to wear out because we wear them so much, someone sends us a new one. It's great. So he goes, <laughs> Chris and Graham, enjoy these, quote, nuance, quote, shirts. <laughs> Jeff D. Hall, love from Nashville. For those of you who just started listening to the show, uh, Chris was... Um, Made fun of a couple months ago yes. for saying the word nuance way too far often. too many times. Yes, <laughs> so and it's a, by the way, it's a struggle not to say it. So, not, so, so you guys won't let that go. And I applaud God bless you. you. You guys are fantastic for that. Um, all right, coming out this week. Why him? Why make this movie? Do you know? I saw only one review. I think it might have even been the Variety review late last night. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, the Variety review. It's the only one I've read. Actually, said it was a funny movie. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm going to run out and see it, but I am curious 
that the first review I read said it was funny. So I will wait to see a few more reviews. But based on everything I know as a human being who has seen movies in the past, <laughs> it did not look funny. No. So I will be surprised if the reviews come in and they go, hey, it was a new twist on, on, an, old, uh, no. on an old story. I yes. will be surprised if I if I don't take my headphones off while watching this on a plane midway through and go, oh, Jesus, and pick yeah. up a magazine. Now, when you say on a plane, are you going to watch the plane speed or are you going to download it? I'm going to watch the plane speed. See, I always worry, unless I'm watching like a family movie, like a PG movie on an airplane, I'm worried that they are taking out potentially critical story information. Well, United, the airline I fly pr- primarily, seems like they're not giving a shit anymore. They're oh, just yeah? putting nudity and swearing in movies. Really? Yeah, they don't care. Oh, well, so. all right then. Are they are the screens in front of the seats now, or are they still showing them like in front above? Of the seats. Oh, in front of yeah. the seats. I haven't seen an overhead yeah, monitor not, like that in a long time. No, not for a while. Or, or the movies. What, what United has started to do is on a lot of their flights, if you get their app... Then on your phone right. or laptop, you can right. watch whatever, and they have it. It's it's actually pretty cool because um, they have a much of bigger movies. library, yeah, yeah a much bigger library that you can watch whenever, and you can pause it and do whatever. So that is how I've been watching it. And those they don't look like they edit or care. Although about. sometimes you know you get here's the one free one that you don't want to see, then everything else you have to pay for. Well, no, they don't do that. They're not. They're not. Charging. I think American does that. Yeah. yeah, they're not charging you. It's it's the, when you're on the United planes that have Direct TV, then you have to pay for it, which is stupid. Unless you're right. in first class, which pray for the upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, so um, next one is a monster calls. I think this is um, is this Liam Neeson? He's the voice of the uh, yeah. the tree monster. Looks interesting. Yeah, I, I like movies. I like movies like this where. Sam's rolling. I'm going to give this one the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I love like the idea of like, you know, a child creates, you know, some kind of fantasy coping mechanism to deal with horrific things uh, in their life. Right. So, um, and then the next movie, speaking of um, horrific, is Sing. Nope. I can't. Nope. I can't stop thinking about how horrible this movie is going to be. Every single new trailer or promo makes it just look worse. Posters make me mad. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think it will be this year's Frozen? And not in terms of critical reception, but in terms of popularity with children for the next two years. I don't think so. I think it's going to eat it. Yeah, okay. I think it's going to do well with little kids. I think it's going to be like Secret Life of Pets. It'll yeah. like, yeah, it'll make its money back. It'll do decently, but it's not going to. It's not going to be a stick around. Like I really <laughs> yeah. don't. I don't. I just don't yeah. think it's. It has enough of right. those ingredients to, to. And I'm not even seeing any original songs. So uh-huh. it's, it's also just animals singing. It's songs. karaoke. Yeah. Um, Passengers, this is a movie we are seeing tonight. Oh, boy. Yes. So uh, we will see. Up, yeah, we are. I, I am excited about this movie. Uh, I love Jennifer Lawrence. I love Chris Pratt. I love mystery science fiction movies where Although the trailer gives unravels. you way too much info. Yeah, I would have rather have, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, leave a little mystery there. I've, so. I've not seen the movie. Uh, I know it's been getting pretty bad reviews. Um, I have a guess. Do you want to hear my guess or no? Sure. It's just a guess. Again, okay. I know right. nothing more than anyone else knows. Sure. My guess. One is, is love. One is death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my guess <laughs> is. is driving the spaceship. <laughs> my guess is one of them woke the other one up on purpose. 
Oh, all right. I know. Deep, guys. Oh, I'm going crazy. I'm going real deep on that pull. Um, this next one. For love or time. Yes. <laughs> Not death. <laughs> this next one is Assassin's Creed. You know, it's good. We haven't had a high-budget video game movie bomb in a while. So <laughs> I think it's, yeah, we're due. I think we're overdue. And uh, I like Yet Michael Warcraft, Fassbender. the wounds from Warcraft are still so fresh. <laughs> so fresh. So yeah, so all. it's uh, isn't it at least once a year, or possibly just go twice back a year? and rewatch Wing Commander every chance yeah. you get. <laughs> wow. wow, Super Mario Brothers has uh, it ever worked? When give me an example of when it worked? I can't even remember one. Well, you know, it's it's a very um, relative term. Like I would say, you have to go back to like the original Mortal Kombat, where it was. Oh like, yeah, it was successful. It was watchable. Uh, mm. I thought the original was. It wasn't When's a good movie. When's the last movie. time you've rewatched? Not a very, in a very, I was a that child. movie's 21 years old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think, but then, you know, the sequel was a, a complete disaster. Oh, sure. But uh, I, I think just because video game movies are never good. Good is off the table on a video game movie. I guess so. It really has to be. horrible standard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good is off the table. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> so you just have to get um, watchable. And yeah. a lot of video game movies don't even get there. No. So, I mean, every Tomb Raider movie movie was just mm-hmm. a slog to well you know through. what et terrible video game great movie <laughs> <laughs> um all right so uh the other one is silence this is limited um this is the one if you want to see um spider-man in a 40s werewolf outfit when you say spider-man do you mean the new kid spider-man no, no the, the, the old, old one the old bad one the yeah, old bad one, old. Toby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Ah, no, not Toby. The, the, mid, the, middle, the middle one. one. <laughs> the middle kid. Oh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. yeah. The Peter Brady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of, of yeah. So in, many Spider-Mans. Yeah. Yes. He's in this crazy Lon Chaney hair and beard makeup at the beginning with a robe. It's hilarious. Um, and then uh, Fences goes wide. I- I'll tell you, I'm really excited for this movie, too. I think Denzel Washington is just riveting in the trailer. It I looks really, great. I think it's, it's getting really a lot good. of buzz. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Now, if Love, Death, or Time show up, I'm going to be a little disappointed. Brother. He's going to whoop their ass. <laughs> um, so that is our That's show. That's our show, guys. 350. Come on now. Um, wow. A lot of business to talk about. A little a spoiler up in the middle. Uh, we got some Tarantino talk. We got some good stuff. We covered a lot of great Around. Sam uh, Levine, where can people find you on the internet? Any uh, upcoming anything? Yeah, you, you can find me on the Twitters. I'm at Sam Levine. That's Sam with two M's, L E V I N E, uh, and uh, same name on the Instagrams if that's your thing. Uh, I'm, I just got back from Hawaii, and oh. boy, are my hula's tired. And that's uh, it. That's the first time I've ever said that, and it will be the last. Um, <laughs> and uh, yep. And uh, I should have said lays. Boy, are my lays tired. Nope, even that doesn't work. I'm abandoning the bit. Um, I was shooting an episode of Hawaii Five-0, and uh, that will air on Valentine's Day, I'm told. Sweet. So just a a short month and a half away. Uh, And then uh, Kevin Pollock's chat show, nearly every Sunday. We're done for the year, but our our most recent two I guest hosted uh, was Kevin Rahm from Mad Men and Lethal Weapon, and then before that, Maurice LaMarche, who's a very famous voice actor, I guarantee you know. Uh, But our whole back catalog is now back on YouTube. It had oh. been down for a while for legal purposes, but now it's back, and I'm very excited to send people there. So check out those old eps and because it's, a, uh, we'll it's an more. audio podcast, and then also that you guys YouTube everything. Yes, it's all. It's you can download the audio only or watch it on YouTube, full video, totally free of charge. Yeah, and it's the whole show. It's, it's not the clips, whole right? show. No, mm-hmm. it's everything. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Yeah. 
Um, guys, Earbuds, the podcasting documentary is for sale. Standard def, high def, uh, bonus feet content. It's all at comedyfilmnerds.com. Um, DVD pre-sale. DVD will be done... Uh, January-ish. January, yeah. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get it done before the holidays, guys, but it's just taking too long. The authoring and all that stuff, it's... It's, it's, it's a lot of a lot. moving parts. Uh, but it will be on Amazon coming up? It will be on Amazon coming up. We're working on... There was a little issue with the uh, captions file. But uh, we're working on getting that sorted. That'll be the next big platform it'll be on will be Amazon. But guys, you can buy it. And then everything in our Comedy Film Nerd store, it, you need to purchase by uh, today. Yes. Uh, for us to be able to well, ship it ship out it tomorrow for Christmas. for Christmas. All right. And also, um, we just added a new product. If you're a Crab Feast fan, we have hats. Oh, we have Crab, Crab Feast, Feast hats. hats right now. But guys, if you don't want to go shopping, you don't want to go to the malls and, and murder each other and Hunger Games your way through a yes. mall, we'll ship it for you. We send it. We have... You know, we're doing uh, gift cards. You can yeah, we buy, do. I didn't. I do. didn't realize we had them until people started ordering them. Yeah. So yeah, we have uh, we have gift cards uh, and they work. So <laughs> a note to your fans: if at this point you don't have anything, do not go to the mall. It is it's a disaster. Mad Max out yeah. there right yeah. now. Yeah. Don't just order online. You're gonna fight a crowd to get to a shelf that's empty. Yeah. <laughs> and tell people, yeah, it might be your Christmas present might be a little late. No one will care. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit. You know what? Put put, put a picture of print out a picture of what it's gonna be, put it in a card. That's always nice. <laughs> Here's what I got you. It's just not here yet. You know, shipping took a little while, but uh, you're going to like this shirt with the Rudolph uh, fucking Santa saying, hey, sometimes an elf's got to do what an elf's got to do. All right, that's my time. <laughs> Great voice work today from Sam Levine. We have really had a, a cavalcade of characters. Yeah. Is that Maurice Lamar? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so, but yeah, check it out. Thank you so much, everybody, for supporting the store. Really uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you guys have been buying a ton of stuff, Thrilling Adventure Hour stuff, Comedy Film Nerds books, and pre-ordering the DVD. Much appreciated. And a lot of the downloads, um, you guys have been giving us great feedback on the film. We really appreciate it. Yeah, spread the it. word you. on your butts. Tell everybody you know mm-hmm. about it. Um, Put a review on IMDb. All yeah. that stuff. Would be great. It doesn't cost any money, to, uh, but it helps us out for sure. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Thank you to our guest, Sam Levine. Thank you. My name is Graham Elton. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.